Amen. Thank you so much. You may all be seated. Wow, I, I love coming back to Norwalk and uh, Sister Nancy, thank you so much for allowing us to come back and Pastor Richard and Sister Nancy are so special, near and dear to our heart and their families and uh, we, we, we don't take it lightly, so thank you so much for uh, allowing us the privilege to come to New Harvest Norwalk and can I say it is really nice to see each and every single one of your beautiful faces. I may not know you by name, all of you. But I can tell you it's really nice to see everyone here today, this Wednesday. I, I really was praying, God, what, 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 what is the message that you have for your people today? And one word came to mind, reminders. Reminders. I felt as if though God was prompting me, Jose, you need a lot of reminders. I said, I do. And what do you want me to say, God? But before I get into that, what he said, if you're anything like me, you need a lot of reminders too, right? I mean, we need reminders about things that have to get done. We need reminders about bills that have to get paid. Husbands, we have reminders from our wives, which we call a honey-do list. And we need reminders about these things because there's only so much. I, I always say this to my wife. I said, babe, please write it down because I can't remember everything. I need a lot of help. Please write it down. So I'm going to show you this awesome, you know, piece of technology which helps me with that. It's called a sticky. This does miracles. I have stickies on my desk. Stickies on my lamp, stickies on my nightstand, and you should see my desk at work. It's full of stickies. And it, it's there so that every time I go into my workspace, I know, ooh, I need to do that. Oh, I have to get that done. Wait a minute. I need to get this done. And I love these because it helps me make sure that the job gets done and that I don't forget. Church, can I tell you that we also need reminders in our lives? We need a lot of reminders, especially now as a church. We need to be reminded about those important spiritual truths. We need to be reminded about what our calling is as a church. We need to be reminded about what our calling is as a Christian. We need to be reminded that there is nothing new under the sun. And that what you and I or whatever may be going on, there's nothing new about it. And not to minimize it, but to say that the devil uses the same old tricks, the same old strategies. There ain't nothing new about what he does. But sometimes we forget when we're in the midst of it. And sometimes we think, oh, my God, this is horrible. This is catastrophic. But it's the same old strategy that the devil uses, which, by the way, if you read your Bible, it never works. It's not supposed to work. It's a strategy he used against God himself. It's a strategy he used against Jesus himself. So if we may, church, may we be reminded this evening do I have your agreement? Amen. This is an agreement today. 
Now, some of you may already be saying, I don't need reminders. Some of you may be even like, Pastor Jose, I don't need you to remind me about nothing. That's okay. Let's look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, verse 13. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. And church, this is the heart behind this message. I know you guys know. I know you guys are Bible scholars, some of you. But we still need reminders. And I too think that it's right for us to be refreshed and to be reminded about certain things. And the first reminder that I would like to talk about is this. In life, we will get bad reports. In life, we will get bad reports. You are not going to always get reports made out of peaches and cream. I'm sorry. I, w- I wish. I love peaches and cream. But life has a way of throwing its best at us and its worst. But it's how you and I respond to these bad reports that makes the difference in the outcome, specifically in our destinies. You know what the purpose of a bad report is? To destroy your destiny. This is why the Bible speaks about gossip and and talking behind people's back as such a horrible thing. Because it destroys destinies. I mean, who wants their destiny destroyed? Raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. (laughs) Nobody wants their destinies destroyed. Nobody wants their children's destinies destroyed. But remember this, if I can remind you of something. The devil... In heaven, before he was the devil, he was actually in the process of becoming the devil. He gave a bad report, and a third of the angels believed it. A third of God's created sons believed it. They were called sons of God. And they turned their back on their father because of a bad report. What was that report? I don't know. But the devil's a liar, and he's good at it. He's so good at it that he convinced people that, I mean, angels that saw God were in the presence of God that could talk to him face to face, which you and I cannot do. He was able to convince them that God was wrong. They believed a bad report, and their destinies were ruined. It says in the Word that some of them have been put in dungeons until their final judgment. That was not God the Father's plan for their angels, for those angels. But they ruined their destiny because of what? A bad report. They lost their heavenly positions. Remember, the devil uses bad reports to remove you and anybody that calls themselves a son or a daughter of God from their destinies. Because that's the only way he can get back at God. He can't throw God out of heaven. He tried that. He got kicked out like lightning. Didn't work. So what can he do? He can get to his children. And what does he use? Bad reports. 
This can also be seen in Numbers chapter 13, verse 1 through 2. Familiar portion of Scripture. The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. These were trusted men. God picked them. And then he picked them for this mission specifically. And he told them, get your leaders and tell them to go and check out the land. Because we're ready to go in. I believe the reason God did that was because he wanted them to come back so they would be prepared to know what to expect. So that they could say, okay, this is what we're going to need. This is the route we need to go. This is the route we don't want to go because we've been there, we've checked it out, but we're ready. Let's go. But that's not what happens. See, here we see God, he sent the leaders out to do a work for him. Specifically to find him a home. I'm, I'm sorry, to find a home for his people. They were going into the promised land. And how many of you know, by the way, just as a side note, the devil doesn't want you to have a home church. The devil wants you bouncing around from church to church to church so you cannot be discipled by anybody. So you cannot receive direction and guidance specifically from someone that God has intended for you to receive. He wants you to jump from here to there. Oh, that sounds good. Oh, that sounds good. Oh, that sounds good. Oh, this is popular right now. This is popular right now. Let's all go because they're all going. Let's go check it out. And that's not God's plan. The devil doesn't want you in your home church. No, he would rather you be bouncing around. And the scripture continues. After the spies return from spying out the land, they report back. Then Caleb in Numbers chapter 13, verse 30 to 32 says, Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land. For we can do it. We can certainly do it. Man of faith. Man of action. He said, let's go. Let's do what we got to do. Let's do what we came here to do. We didn't cross the Jordan. We didn't cross the Red Sea. We didn't go in the desert for 40 years to get to the entrance of our city to stop. So let's go. Did you know many of you have been in Christianity for years, for years, faithfully serving with a purpose in mind, and you're, you're, you're almost at the tail end of your servanthood with Christ. You, you're ready to step into your promised land, and now the devil's starting to lie to you. Verse 31, but the man who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They spread a bad report. You notice they spread it. They didn't just talk to the 10 leaders, the 12 leaders, and say, you know what, I don't think we should do this. Let's, let's make a decision. And not, no, no, they say, hey, guess what, guys? It's bad. Don't go. Hey, you know what? Don't do it. Whatever they tell you, don't listen. It's crazy over there. You don't want to go in that land. They spread a bad report, and as a result... The majority vote one. 
10 out of the 12 leaders gave a bad report. And they convinced all of Israel to not go into their homeland. These are their brothers. And they were telling them, no, you don't, you don't want to go into your homeland. If that's not a lie, then I don't know what is. Why would we believe the lies of the enemy? When God has laid out his promises so clear and so true, why would we not believe what he has said? Oh, because the majority said it's not so. So now forget what God says. The majority of the spies says no. Only two had enough courage to continue on. And as a result, God said this in Numbers chapter 14, 30. God was upset. <laughs> and he tells them, not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. Except the two, except the minority. Only the minority will I bless because they had courage to stand in the face of the majority. You see, majority, majority does not mean the will of God, church. Just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean it's the will of God. Just because the majority of God's people do something doesn't mean it's right. It's not scriptural. Do we still read our Bibles? Are we still living our life by the Bibles? By the scriptures? I know right now, many of you in this church are hurting. I know it. You've lost friends. Some of you have lost family members. Because of these bad reports. But it doesn't make them right. Just because a lot of them listened. Actually, the opposite is true. God actually tends to work in the minority. God actually tends to do the most miraculous, powerful things with the smallest numbers. For example... Do you guys remember Elijah versus the hundreds of false prophets? Okay. Do you guys remember Gideon's 300 defeating thousands? Do you remember little David coming against big, bad Goliath? Do you see what I'm saying? God does not side with the many. God does not side with those that say they have the majority. God sides with who he sides because it's right. Let me refresh your memory, church. God doesn't require numbers. He requires faithfulness. And those men were faithful. Gideon, Elijah, David. You know why he sides with the minority? Because they're faithful. You know why there's not that many faithful people? Because of the minority. I mean, if you want to look at statistics, if you're a math person, look at Jesus. He gave a statistic. There's four seeds. He throws them. One gets taken by a crow. One gets taken by the weeds. One gets engulfed by the rocks. But only one grows. Those are bad statistics, but he's telling us the truth. He's letting you know, don't expect the whole world to be saved. 
Don't expect that if you witness the four people that all four are going to serve God and love Jesus. You might get one. But does that mean we quit because the odds are horrible? No, because God loves that one. Because God will do what he needs to do for that one. See, in these examples I just gave, the victory came to the faithful, not the many. Are we faithful, church? Are you faithful? Amen. So when you see a lot of people, a lot of leaders going one way, it doesn't actually mean it's the right way. Stay faithful even when others aren't, church. Regardless of how bad it hurts, I'm not minimizing the pain. I'm not. I know it must be tough. Regardless of how confused you may even be feeling right now, stay faithful. I believe God wants you to be reminded that he will be with you if you stay faithful. He will not leave you nor forsake you if you stay faithful. And remember, Jesus was also abandoned and betrayed by one in his own number. Nothing new under the sun. Reminder number two, there is nothing new under the sun. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. You want to know why there's nothing new under the sun? Like I told you, because the devil doesn't use new strategies. He uses old ones, the same old strategy. Now, I might, you know, a lot of people might be like, oh, that's dumb. He's dumb. But, you know, he's not dumb. You know why he uses them? Because they work. And that's to our detriment and to our shame because sometimes we believe the lies of the devil, right? And he uses these strategies. And what I'm talking about is not just a strategic thing that happens in the natural. I'm talking about spiritual warfare. Can I remind you, we are in a spiritual fight, church? Sometimes we think we're all in the physical realm. This person offended me. I don't like them. That person did this to me. Let's not talk to them. I didn't like that pastor's message. Let's not go to that church. It is a spiritual attack on your soul anytime you try to walk away from the things of God. Anytime that you hear something that's a bad report, it is a spiritual attack. We are in spiritual warfare, church. Yes, it's people that maybe cause you some hurt and disappointment, but there's spirits behind all that. Demonic spirits. Ephesians 6, 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It's a spiritual assault on your life. It is a spiritual assault on your Christian walk. There are demons assigned to you. I'm not saying this to scare you, but the Bible just said we are in a spiritual war. There are demons assigned to you to swerve you away from what God has for you. This is a spiritual fight. 
Don't get mad at the person. Get mad at the spirit. Church, we need to be reminded we are in spiritual war. This is our third reminder. We are in a spiritual war. You know, we're just hours away from October. Tomorrow's October 1st. During these times, there's actually an increase of demonic activity. Now, some of you know this. Some of you may be the first time you hear this. I don't mean to scare you, but I help, hope this brings revelation to you. And, many, uh, you know, many Satanists have already started to pray in preparation for their most unholy holiday, Halloween. They're already praying. They're already in the spirit of praying against the church. You know, there was a brother in our church, and I was, I was speaking to him two days ago. And he uh, asked me, he's, uh, Pastor Jose, is this weird? I said, what happened? He goes, I was cleaning out my garage, and I saw a Halloween mask. And I remembered your message from last year. And so I got it, and I threw it away. And the next night, I was trying to sleep, and something just woke me up at 3 in the morning. And I never wake up at 3 in the morning just to wake up. And I was wide awake, and something told me to get up and go to the kitchen. I wasn't hungry. I wasn't thirsty, but I went to the kitchen. And right when I walked to the kitchen and flipped on the light, in that trash, I don't know who moved the trash or switched the trash, there was the mask out of the, on the top of the trash can just looking at me. And, and, I, and, and I, you might, guys may think like, oh, it was a coincidence. No, it was no coincidence because what he felt was no coincidence. He said, I felt evil, pastor, and he's a new Christian. Let me tell you something. He is a brand new Christian that just got filled with the Holy Spirit on the day he got baptized. Brand new Christian. Okay? And he was already knowing, pastor, I didn't understand, and I felt like I had to I started speaking in tongues, and I went to my front door, and I opened it, and I made him get out. And I said, yes, that's what you want to do. That's exactly what you want to do. What you were being experiencing was the Spirit of God was waking you up to make war. Church, are we awake? Can the Spirit of God wake you up to make war against the enemy? Or are you just going to be beat up all day? Come on, we can't be beat up all day, church. And you know what their prayers, these, these Satanist prayers are? According to an ex-Satanist, John Ramirez, he was an ex-Satanist, in it for years, gave his whole life to it. And you know what he said? They pray in October for this, that the churches would be divided. He had no shame saying it because now he's on the light side, right? Right? He's got nothing to hide. He's exposing the enemy. And he goes, yeah, that's what we pray. We pray that the church would be divided. Matthew 12, 25, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. Church, this is a spiritual assault, and you need to see it as a spiritual assault, and you need to fight in the spirit. You need to pray. You need to get up on your knees. If you wake up in the morning and you're like, why am I awake at 3 in the morning? I need to go to bed. Wake up and pray. God is waking you to make war against these spirits that are being called upon during this this month of October to destroy you. Do you get what I'm saying? God is arousing us because he's basically saying the devil's trying to destroy you. Get up. 
And you know why he says at 3 in the morning? Because this, the, the, the Satanists also said that 3 a.m. is their witching hour. That is their time when they get up and pray against us. I would venture to say, unfortunately, though, that not only is the devil here to break and divide the church, but some of you are divided in heart right now. Some of you, your heart is split. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. Your heart is split. You are divided in hearts. Can I tell you that if you remain divided in heart, you will not stand? The Lord wants you to know you will not stand. And if you will not stand for Jesus and you don't have the favor of God over you, you will not have the protection of God over you. This is no joke, church. I've seen too many people backslide and lose their lives. I've seen too many people backslide and their marriages fall apart. Their kids end up in jail doing life. That is not God's plan. That's the devil's destructive division. That's what he's trying to do. Don't stay divided in heart, church. God wants us to be decided. Take a stand. Look to the scriptures. Be reminded. Be encouraged. Be reassured about what God is telling you. It's the same old strategy that the devil uses. And this type of sifting has happened before. It's time to fight the real enemy. It's time to hit the devil where it hurts. It's time to take back what the enemy has stolen. It's time to reach souls for Jesus. Do you get this? We're, we're caught up sometimes in the drama. And God's like, forget the drama and do what I've called you to do. There's a world out there that is hurting. There are souls out there that need me. There are people that are crying out to God, and I need you to be my messenger. But you're too busy looking on Instagram and taking phone calls and watching YouTube videos with people's wild ideas. It's time to witness, church. Get out of that. Step out of that and step into the world, into your promised land. Don't let the devil hold you back anymore. We need to go out and tell the world about a God who loves them. We need to reach this hurting world. This is the reason Jesus came. It's time to rise above these ashes, rise above our hurts, rise above our disappointments. You lost friends in the church? Well, guess what? Get out there and make some new ones and bring them back into the church. Let God give you new friends. You lost some family? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let God give you a new family in the house of God. In his house, new brothers, new sisters. Don't be blinded. Don't forget this. This is our call. This is our purpose, church. You see, the devil wants to take us away from what we're supposed to do so we can get caught up in the mud. And in the meantime, people are dying. People are losing their lives. People, it's, a, it's a scary time. People have COVID, church. 
People need hope. People need to be prayed for, laid hands on them. But no, we're caught up. According to Dr. Arthur Glasser, the Dean of School of World Missions at Fuller Theological Seminary, there is a fourfold spiritual warfare strategy of Satan against the early church in the early chapters of Acts. And I bring it up because it's identical to what's going on. Which is why I talk about this, because the devil's using the same strategy. Number one, Satan tries to stop the evangelist, I'm sorry, evangelistic outreach of God's people. You know, when we get stuck in, in, a, in a place, you know, we don't want to outreach. You know, can I encourage you? I, I, I feel like I have to share this because God has been blessing us in Anaheim. Every outreach we've gone to, each outreach we've gone to, at least one person has come and has stayed at our church. One. Just one person. Imagine if you all go out and witness, if you all go out and pass out flyers, if each of you brought back one, there'd be no room in this building anymore. But he tries to stop the evangelistic outreach of God's people. Satan tries to contaminate the spiritual life of the church's members with bad reports. Number three, Satan attempts to divide the fellowship of the church. The devil then uses his last strategy. He stirs up the political leaders to do what the Jewish leaders had not been able to do. You see that last one, church? That's what we need to be ready for. We're getting caught up in this stuff. And there's an assault that's coming. And it's going to come through politics and elected leaders. It's going to come through laws against what we stand for. And we will not be able to stand against it if we're caught up. We are this same church of Acts that believes in evangelical outreach. Amen? Always looking to outreach. Always looking to save souls. You know, when I first got saved, and my wife and I first got saved, we always outreached. It, it saddens my heart sometimes because... You know, people want to go to fellowships, and you get 40 people to show up at a birthday party. But when it comes time to pass out flyers, all of a sudden, it's too hot. All of a sudden, oh, I'm busy. As a matter of fact, all of a sudden, I'm planning for another birthday party, so I can't make it. The devil is... is Trying to stop evangelism, church. That's what this church was established on. Let's go back to our roots. We need to hit the devil where it hurts. And you know where it hurts? People. If we can take people away from him and steal people away from him, we are slapping them in the face, church. We need to get them back. We need to stop being beat up by him. The devil would love to destroy this vision. And he would love to divert you off track so you can focus on other things. In closing, if I can call up the worship team. Remember, church, what happens in the physical realm 
is a result of what's already going on in the spiritual realm. It's the evidence of spiritual warfare. And if I could just give a polite and humble warning. God never blesses those who despise authority. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 10. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the sinful nature and despise authority. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 17 to 18. Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Be on guard, church. Be on guard. You know, the devil is trying to throw you from your secure position. In other words, he's trying to make you backslide. Because when Jesus saves us, we're secure in him. But when we listen to lawless men and lawless rumors and bad reports, we're no longer secure. You're no longer stable. And you better be careful. Because if we're not on stable grounds, you can fall, the Bible says. You do not want to fall out of the hands of God and into the hands of the enemy. Because the enemy has no mercy. Church, reminders. We need to be reminded that we are in a spiritual war. If we can bow our heads. If you're here and you've never accepted Jesus into your heart. Maybe you have accepted Jesus into your heart, but you've fallen away, you've stepped away, you've fallen. Can I tell you today is the day of salvation? God loves you so much. He loves you so much that he let you come into this church to hear about his love for you because he wants you to be with him in heaven. He does not want you in the hands of the enemy. The devil comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And I bet you you're here because the devil has already started to do that in your life. It can stop today. God came through Jesus Christ to bring life and life more abundantly. If you're in this place and you want this abundant life, you're tired of the destructive life and you want an abundant life full of God's love, wherever you're at, slip up your hand. Slip up your hand. Amen. I, I, I know there's someone here. I sense somebody's here. You're fighting it. Don't fight it. Amen. God sees that hand. Hallelujah. Church, pray. Keep praying, church. Keep praying, church. Anyone else, God wants you for his kingdom.
for his blessings, for his family, anyone else in this place, anyone. Amen, church, if we can all stand. Brother, I've been in your place. 25, over 25 years ago, I walked into this church, looked a little different, and I raised my hand, and I didn't know one soul in this place, not one. And from that day forward, God, God did something in my life. He loves you. If I could challenge you to come forward, and we will pray with you, brother. Amen. Church, let's give him a hand. Let's give him a hand, church.